Hello there, and welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where Yoda lives. I am Patrick Mathers, pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, and across the table for me is... Brian Gumpy, elder at Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Yoda's alive. <laughs> what up, dude? Hey. Yoda lives. Yoda lives. All right. So, my kids, when they were wee little kids... Like Elvis and Tupac. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. So Yoda. <laughs> okay, my kids were in gymnastics when they were small, mostly Faith and Mariah. So this was a long, long, long time ago. And their teacher name was Miss Stephanie. And so Stephanie, she she's a family friend now. But at the time, she was just like a gymnastics girl. And, you know, I thought... She's probably, you know, sorry, Stephanie, if you listen, but I didn't think she was any good because she was the teacher. <laughs> if you and can't she, do, teach. And she, exactly. So I'm just like, and I'm stupid and dumb. So I'm just like, oh, well, she gets the little kids, right? So she's, she's not really doing the teaching the gymnastics. She's, you know, playing with the kids in the ball crawl and, you know, that kind of stuff. So one day we get there just a little bit early and she's, she comes out and she starts doing these flips and running around and like jumping all over like crazy. And I lost it. I started yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering. And my girls were just yelling and we were so amazed. And all I could think of was Yoda when I was a kid was the absolute worst character. Cause all he did is sit there and say, suck you do. You can't force it. <laughs> You know, and and he never did anything cool except pull the X-wing fighter out of the bog. And who ever who can't do that, right? <laughs> so then, when Episode Two comes out, granted, Attack of the Clones is the weak link in that chain of armor. Terrible movie, not terrible, but it's the weak link in that chain. Terrible. It's movie. not terrible, but it is the weak link in that chain. So, but. You do have that glorious lightsaber battle at the end where Yoda does flipping all over the place and goes nuts. That's Miss Stephanie. And so, Stephanie, today, still in my mind, you are always Yoda. Wow. It's amazing. I wish she were here right now. She could flip around the room and stuff. I bet she could still do it. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, Yoda wasn't cool in like the 80s? No, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was kind of cool. I mean, you were a little disappointed when you got his action figure. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do much. He didn't do much. No, I had a puppet, a Yoda puppet, <laughs> and it was like this really thick plastic, and so your hand got all sweaty, and you couldn't even move his mouth. All you could do is really make his head nod back and forth, and it was the worst thing. That's, but you know, when you're even a kid, for a puppet, that's terrible. Oh, yeah, he can't even do anything as terrible. a puppet. It's terrible. But you know how when you're a kid and then you grow up, it's like the really cool toys get broken and thrown away, and then the sucky toys last a long time. <laughs> yes, that was my Yoda. Because no moving parts. Because, yeah, and you yeah. didn't want to play with him ever, so he just sat on the shelf. And yeah. he was like, yep, Yoda's still around. How old were I you? I bet I could go down to my parents' house and Yoda's still there somewhere. How old were you when you realized that Yoda and Grover have the exact same voice? No, I think I knew it was Frank Oz. Like, from the beginning, I think I knew that. Because we were, we were really into the Muppets and stuff at my house. And I knew Frank Oz. Not like we didn't have coffee together me and Frank. Swap stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's an odd guy. 
I would imagine. He's a weirdo. Weirder? Is Jim Henson weird? Oh, yeah. Dude, they're all eccentric, though, aren't they? (laughs) They're puppeteers, so... And they made a living doing that. Ventriloquists? No. No, just Because they're not on camera. Yeah, just puppeteers. puppeteers. Hey, Dark Crystal's coming out. I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of Jim Henson and puppeteering on the Netflix. What is it? What's Dark Crystal? What? Oh, no. I did a bad thing. Oh, my gosh. We might never get to the episode now. Uh, or the question. Uh, I guess we're doing the episode. You really don't know the Dark Crystal? No. You, like those words, like you've never heard that was even a movie? I feel like I've heard you talk about it, but I've oh never enjoyed it myself. Okay. It, it is super cult classic and it's like dark. Is it like labyrinth type stuff? Yeah, it's even, I think, that's kind of how I picture it. I think it. it's darker even than that. And it's, and it's all puppets. There, I don't think there's any humans at all in it. Mm. And it's, it's, um, yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. So I'm not going to go into it now because well, that would be the whole episode. We we need to watch it. That's it. We need All to right. watch it and then I can... So they're remaking the movie? or they're No, they're, a they're doing a TV show on Netflix and it's going to be like a prequel, like before the movie. Like how did things get as bad as they were when the movie started? All right. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently like Jim Henson had already written out some of, a big chunk of it at least and so... It's kind of going off his story. It isn't like some whippersnapper just is shooting off something new. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Speaking of kids. Yeah? One of my kids asked us a question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. Now, you got part of it. So, the question that the listener has already seen as the title for this episode is, do you think there is a link in the way women are treated in church and the way men see their gender uplifted in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's really that patriarchal question. But I, I don't want to talk about the patriarchal question right up front. I think that we can answer that, that in an ancillary way as we answer the question about women in the Bible. So when Mariah asked this question, I thought that it would be good to talk in general at first about women's role in scripture, women in the Bible. And then we have a couple episodes coming up where we're going to deal with specific things about women's place in the home and the church and working, um, in leadership and all, and those kind of questions. So I'm pumped for those. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, I think we're going to have your wife on at at least for one of them. Yeah. Maybe two. We'll see. But, but those are coming up. So because this is such a big issue, I thought it'd be good for us to start with big picture stuff, and then we can work down to specific things, and we can have your wife in here. Not that she couldn't be in here for that, but she's got a stuffy nose and <laughs> today. Wow. So, and I'm, but I, okay, really, I wasn't patronizing should, at all. Was it not? Was that? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I didn't wasn't. mean that. It wasn't because I was actually here for the conversation, but it sounds like, oh, she can't be here because she's got a stuffy nose. It's like, oh, LeBron, like, oh my gosh. LeBron couldn't win the finals because he stubbed his toe. Uh, so I like, sounded like, just I'm quoting that passage, women are the weaker vessel. Is that it? No, that's, I wasn't thinking like oh, that. I'm but, already going to but the But way Bible. to throw it out there. Let's give him more <laughs> fodder. Absolutely. Okay, so women... No are, minefields here. Oh, this is all minefields. Just, just tap dance and skip and do cartwheels no. and backflips and nothing bad could possibly no, happen. No, <laughs> this is all... Look, the real deal is 
that even that we've talked about it this far, we're probably upset somebody. And that's it, it, it's it is what it is. I probably upset people for telling Miss Stephanie is Yoda, you know, um, and yeah, I call her Miss Stephanie still, but she's like she's like my age. <laughs> no, I guess she's a little bit younger than me. She's Andy's age, maybe a little. Yeah, and I'm still calling her Miss Stephanie just from the kids' class. It's very respectful of you. Yeah, well, it's it's habit. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I have respect for her. She's cool. Her husband's super cool. He flies helicopters. You have respect for her because her husband is super cool? <laughs> no. She's super cool. I have respect for her. Her husband's cool. He flies helicopters. Two different things. That's awesome. She's Yoda. He flies helicopters. Those are both pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no losers there. Except for me. Well, because well, I'm, I'm just the acquaintance. <laughs> you're 45 and calling someone Miss Stephanie. <laughs> no, because I got no skills. Oh, you got skills. Not flipping skills. Post F skills. Not helicopter flying skills. Computer hacking skills. <laughs> <laughs> we, are we going to talk about this yet? Yes, I'm getting there. All right, all right. I'm opening my Bible right now. Hey, why don't you pick a smaller Bible next time? It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's your you, Bible. You guys can't see it, but it like, fits in one palm. Jeez, oh, it's, it's impossible There's, to read. Too. Grab that one up there. All right, all right. Hold, please. You're one of those Christians that have two Bibles. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think I got one or two. That one has now. more pictures in it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it actually does. There's I, a picture right there. I know. <laughs> You're so adorable. Thank you. Okay. I have the teen study Bible over there somewhere, too, I think. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. We're not trying to get out of this question. Seriously. The, the, the first place women come up in scripture is a a good one because it actually says that it's not good for men to be alone. And there's so many jokes that can go off of that, right? That if we're alone, we're just getting trouble and you know, we can't, you know, we, we need somebody there to help us out and keep us on track kind of thing. But uh, all kidding aside is it isn't good. God made a companion, a helper, someone who could compliment, um, man in what God had called him to do and created him to do. I think one of the things that we want to acknowledge right off the bat is that we are complementarian in our view of women. And that means that we believe that, that women, um, their, their role that God has given them is to, to compliment men, not to be subordinate, <laughs> but that we go together and it's not good for men to be alone without women. We're complementarian with a little C, though. Um, complementarians with a big C would be those who would be like super uber patriarchal, you know, women's places only in the home. It's only to raise kids, you know, nothing else. That that's, that that's their place. They're there to read their Bible and make sure the house stays spiritual kind of thing um, and homeschool their kids. You know, that's the, the big C complementarian. And that's not us. We're, we're little C. We see that, that there is health in the compliment um, that women give to men, and, but we're also not egalitarian, and that's the big fancy word for that there's no distinction, that anything in any way, shape, or form that is a role given to men, either in scripture or in society or whatever, women can absolutely unashamedly and 100% do everything and should do everything. And in fact, we should aggressively make sure that there are women in those roles. Having said that, 
I know that makes us immediately sound patriarchal. And I get that. So hopefully as we talk through this, we can make some heads or tails of this and show why we're trying to be the, the moderate here and trying to walk, I think, what the line is biblically between men and women. It's too bad, not to make excuses already, but it's too bad that it almost doesn't matter what we say here. It, it, we're going to come across more backwoods than yeah. we really are, kind of no matter what we do. Like practically, yeah. if you were at our church or in our homes, like we we would not come across that way, but you know we're gonna do the best we but can. But here, going to scripture, saying these things totally that, that we believe we need to say, we're gonna sound like that. I, I get it. There's really two big, huge issues that we're inevitably, if we don't now, very in the near future, going to look like backwoods white supremacist, just stupid, just bumpkins, and that's this issue, this issue, and the LGBTQ issue, um, which we're, you know, we're planning to get to here in a little while anyways. So we might as well just jump in with both feet. Um, so the, sounds like fun. Let's go. First of all, the, the Bible does. Okay. So women are created and it does say there that their, their role is complimenting men. Um, there to be the phrases help, um, help them. And that can mean all kinds of different things. I think in all kinds of different areas, they're created differently, right? I mean, w- women physically are different, um, and and I don't mean this pejoratively, but emotionally their makeup's different, and I'm not saying, you know, weepy cry kind of thing. I'm, I'm literally just saying that we, as two different genders, there's <laughs> have two different, we're made up two different ways. And as women their beauty and their role in scripture is manifold. I, I, I know that a lot of people see women in scripture as being um, domineered, being vilified, being put in the role of the servant, and being subservient to all men in scripture. You know, there is that idea with those capital C complementarian that every woman is to be submitted to every man. Ugh. And yeah, and and we've had those people come through our church, you know, Ugh. and they don't last long. <laughs> um, so as we go through scripture and the fall happens, God curses both men and women. Uh, God curses women with having pain and childbearing, and God curses men by having to um, work really hard in order to produce um, what they're going to produce, and in the context there specifically is agriculture. That it's going to be very hard work, that it isn't going to be simple like being just in the lush garden and it grows naturally, that it's going to be labor and toil. And so throughout, from then on, what you find in Scripture, because sin has entered in, is you find both men and women committing sins, and both men and women, women especially men, treating women sinfully treating women in a wrong way, treating women in a wicked way, and treating women in a way that isn't befitting. Um, We find women coming up very frequently in Scripture. We see, for example, Sarah comes along right away with Abraham, and they have a very, we could call it a complementarian relationship, and um, he's the one who's, you know, raising the livestock and that whole kind of thing, and she's kind of the running the show too. I mean, she's the one who, 
you know, is telling the servants what to do and making sure everything runs on a day-to-day basis. But um, she, she in Scripture is one of the women that's held up in the highest of esteem. And she comes again very early on in Scripture. And then we see women coming up all throughout the Old Testament. And we see them having differing roles. Um, you know, in Jacob's wives, you have Rebecca and Leah, and they basically fight each other over who's going to have more kids. Um, because at that point, cultural, culturally, the more kids you had, the better that the, the, you assumed that God was giving you more favor. We see that in the life of Samuel's mom, where she was married to a guy who had another wife and she didn't have any kids and the other wife ridiculed her. And so unfortunately that came somewhere along the line. And I, I don't know if that was some man saying, Hey, why aren't you giving me any kids? But I imagine that's probably the case (laughs) that some dude came along and then said that. And then some dudes (laughs) just ran with it. Um, and unfortunately, I think that that a lot of the stigma that came, you know, especially early on culturally had to do with probably guys being stupid and being authoritative and being sinful in the way they treated their wives. Yeah. You, know, you got something you want to say? No. I got stuck on the, you said Rebecca and Leah. It's Rachel and Leah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. So you're I got right, distracted Rachel. and like looked it up and I, I'll be honest, I'm kind of catching up with you now. <laughs> So, um, th- there are, there are, um, you know, good women in the old Testament. Uh, Deborah is a great example there in judges and I still want to do a judges episode. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we should. And so the, the, she has been called by God. She was already a prophetess and she was called by God to go and lead the nation of Israel into battle. But first of all, she went to the, the leadership, the male leader in Israel and said, hey, God told us to go fight and he's telling me to go do this, but, you know, you're the leader. And um, he said, no, no, let's, I'll follow you. And she says, okay, well, if we do that, you know, the victory is going to come by a woman then. And, you know, the stigma is going to be there in that society for him. But he really wanted the, the victory and really saw that the Lord had called her and so followed her into battle and it wasn't just her, but it was another woman, Jael, who uh, defeated the enemy general Sisera because you know, he was running away, fleeing, and ran into her tent. And she gave him some more milk to fall asleep, and then she rammed a tent peg through his head. So, at a girl. All because of some warm milk. Ah, warm milk will do you in. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you men. Right. She's held up as, as a, a heroine. In scripture, Esther is, of course, one of the greatest women in the Old Testament. And you have a, a couple of shady ones. You have, um, oh, what's her name in, in, uh, I got a Bible in front of me. I guess I could just look in it up. Rahab. Rahab, yeah. Rahab was a prostitute there in Jericho. And the two spies who came across the land uh, from Israel stayed with her and she rescued them and gave them safe passage. And so th- she wasn't killed. In fact, she's one of the few, there's four women that are recorded in the genealogy of Jesus, and she's one of them. And that doesn't escape me, that one, she wasn't Jewish. And number two, um, she believed in God's promises and trusted the Lord more than any of the men that were around her, that's for sure. Uh, you have Ruth, who, again, wasn't a Jew, but was a Gentile. 
and she trusted in the promises of the Lord and followed after him in his way so much so that she went back and was going to give her whole entire life up to serve her mother-in-law, Naomi, because her husband had died. Well, both their husbands had died. And the Lord brought a husband into her life, and she's actually in not only the genealogy of King David, but of Jesus as well. And then we can go on and on, and then surrounding Jesus, there was a lot of women. And, you know, Jesus had this, this unique way with women where... He was so tender and yet real with them. And it wasn't like he wasn't like that with men as well, but he was definitely more harsh with men. Uh, He would drop the hammer. For example, when he's talking with the woman at the well there in John, and they're going back and forth, I mean, he could bust her chops because he says to her, you know, oh, go call your husband and and bring him here. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, yep, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with now isn't even your husband. Now, that is so scandalous (laughs) in biblical times. And that right there is every reason in the world why everybody around Jesus should have said and probably did think, why in the world is he talking to this woman? But he he loved her. He treated her with such grace and dignity. And I think that's where, when we're looking at scripture and we're looking at how that plays out in the lives of men in the church and how they treat women in an incorrect way, I think it has to do with the dignity. Is they genuinely see women with less dignity and lower value than men. And I think that that hap- I think that's part of our sin nature. Our tendency is to do that, and we need the corrective from Scripture, as men, I think, to not do that. And the corrective comes from people like Jesus, where he takes that woman who, you know, in Luke chapter seven, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, and she comes up and she's crying at his feet, and she's a prostitute as well, and she lets her hair down and starts rubbing his feet with her hair. And that act in that culture, I I can't minimize it, was extremely sexual. It was so, it was, that's scandalous. And she was doing that there in a public meeting. And you can just hear the breath come out collectively out of everybody in the room that she would come in there and do that to Jesus. You You have the Pharisees, you know, internal commentary there. If he knew who she was, he would not be letting her do this, right? And yet Jesus turns around and treats her with love and compassion and receives that. And I believe it was because she was loving him genuinely in the only way she knew how to love a man. And she wasn't coming to him sinfully. She was coming to him in the way that she understood. And Jesus, crazy thing of all, receives that. He receives it. And he turns to her and forgives her sins at the end of that story and doesn't forgive the Pharisees' sins at the end of that story. That's a crazy story. And I think as men, we do well to learn from those stories and to treat women with, you know, dignity and and love and respect and honor that befits them as image bearers of God. Yeah. I mean, you kind of laid our cards down at the beginning calling us uh, moderates here. Um, I never really thought I would like like to hear myself as a moderate, but more and more all the time, right? 
Um, anyway, well, especially with this. Oh, totally. But yeah. um, no, I was just thinking when you see what the two extreme, I mean, sides, if you want to call it that, of this issue are, there are people who are clearly not being biblical. Um, and not only in the nuance of scripture or, you know, reading between the lines of what it meant culturally, like you said, like the woman um, washing Jesus's feet with her hair. Um, like if you don't know uh, Jewish culture, if you don't know what, you know, the, the culture, the attitude towards women and the, the level of modesty that was expected of them or what have you, um, then it would be easy to move past that. But the time and time and time again, that, like you said, we see women being treated with respect and dignity and everything else um, by our Lord himself. Uh, yeah, like you don't have a leg to stand on on either side. And I don't think that you can really claim like ignorance as an excuse if you're opening up your Bible with any level of regularity. Yeah. And, and so the, the question is, um, do you think there is a link in the way women are treated in the church with how women see, with how men, pardon me, see their gender uplifted in the Bible? I, I think the link is the sinful tendency in men to read a passage like 1 Corinthians 11 and see that the father is over the son and the son is in an authoritative sense subservient to the father. And then men are subservient to Jesus and then women are to be subservient to, to, to men, meaning their husbands. And so I think the sinful tendency is to take a passage like that and go, oh, well, see, women are to submit, submit women you know, and, and to have that kind of very authoritative patriarchal attitude towards, towards women. But that's not what's being said there. And I want to say in scripture, what's being said there is that in the church, the way the church is structured is that God, the father is the head. He's the one, it's his church and he gave the church to Christ. And so therefore Christ is it has willingly become subservient to the Father. Willingly. He says in John chapter 5, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Now, Jesus is God. Does he have to do what the Father tells him to do? Well, in one sense, no, he doesn't because he's God. But in one sense, yes, of course, because there's no disharmony within the Trinity. And what then from there, the way it's supposed to look is that the husband's role within the marriage is that he's supposed to love the wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then the wife comes along and compliments the husband, not by taking the role of the servant, not by taking the role of the, you know, beat down woman who just has to do what the husband says, but coming along and complimenting him as he works hard to glorify God in the marriage as he loves her and treats her the way Christ loved the church. I really believe that if men took that to heart and really treated their wives as much as they could as Christ loved the church, this wouldn't be a big, huge issue. Oh, once that's what I was going right? to say. I didn't want to get too far ahead because, like you said, we're jumping into husbands and wives now. Um, well, this not is just, a general episode. No, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We're kind of rambling. Not along. just women in general. But yeah, if you want to talk about husbands and wives, like okay, you're supposed to treat your wife the way that Jesus treats the church. Mm -hmm. So if that's your measuring stick, how you doing? Yeah. 
Awful. Right, right. Awful. All the time. All guys are, yeah. But the reality is, like, it's not like we're just supposed to give up everything we enjoy. It's not that we're supposed to duty, 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 or chores, 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 or we're supposed to just, like, keep our mouths shut. Like, It's complimentary. There's, it's, it's they're what, complimenting whatever, one another. Whatever, like, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich type of, you know, extreme example you want to do, that is not how Jesus treats the church. Right. And uh, we receive so much benefit. We receive so much, I mean, dignity and, I, I, yeah, I think you say respect, too. Because, um, I mean, we're co-heirs with Christ. We're brothers with Christ, which is kind of weird to think about. And that's a mixing. Brothers and sisters, yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, my point is, like, it's not that it's this domineering type of relationship that we have with Jesus, even though it totally could be, and it would be deserved, right? Right. So if the King of Kings can treat us with dignity and respect as people who were complete enemies with him before he changed our hearts to begin with, Mm -hmm. and if he can treat us in such a, like I said, like kind of respectful and dignified way and just share all the benefits with us, then who are we to look down on our wives, to look down on any woman, any woman, yeah. any woman yeah. um, when we are as undeserving as anybody and we are just treated so, so, so well. Yeah. I, I, am, I am made better. The reason why I like the phrase complementarian is because I am made better by my wife. Oh gosh, 100%. And 100%. And I, this isn't a jerky thing to say, but she is made better with me. Together, we're better than we are apart. We complement one another. I need her and she needs me. And I really believe that in the context of the church, unfortunately, that hasn't been the ha- attitude of most people in at least a Western church. I, don't, I haven't studied this issue well enough in church history at large to be able to speak on it. But for sure in the Western church, this hasn't been the case where we've really looked at women as complementarian rather than inferior. And I, I think that, that that part of the move in the end of the 18th century, 19th century of, you know, equality and, and feminism, I, I think there's benefit to be gleaned from, from that. And the benefit is, is that we realized that we were stupid and we were treating people, women, wrongly. And then we need to correct that. I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, the world has to come along and course correct us. Sometimes the Lord will come along and course correct us, and sometimes the church will. Well, when you look at a pendulum swing in front of you and see that these people have gone too far, and then you take a couple steps back from that, you realize that you you probably should be a few steps further in that direction than you really are. Yeah, yeah. Um, So as we're wrapping up here, my question that I want to ask you is, why would an egalitarian approach not be a service to women? Because it minimizes the God-given distinctives that we have in the sexes. That it, it, I, I believe that that's something to be celebrated and, and appreciated, that there is distinction, that we are not the same, that it, it brings health, it brings vibrancy, it brings vitality, to the church. It brings richness to the world. It brings wholeness to families and communities when women are women 
beautifully women and men are men in uh, 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 the manliest sense of the term. And I, and I know that that sounds that that can sound like I'm being kitschy and I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to say that, that we have been created in the image of God. Genesis tells us men and women both have the image of God stamped upon them. So there are elements of women that they have the image of God in ways that men don't. And men have the image of God in ways that women don't. And we need one another in order to fully Hmm. display the image of God to the world, in the church, in our families, in our friendships, we, we need them both. And so when we're thinking about an egalitarian, you know, especially a very strict egalitarian system, we're not allowing for those beautiful distinctives that God has created within men and women. I love that. Yeah, totally agree. You got a question of the day? Yeah, I do. I do. And my question of the day today is, um, no, I'll do, I'll do it. It's kind of a light one. I have a more serious one. I have a light one. So here, I'll do do the more light one. If somebody offers to buy you a meal, is it okay to order something more expensive than you would normally get? <laughs> you ever have that, right? Where somebody says, oh, yeah, it's on me. And then you go like, well, then I'm getting the steak or I'm getting the lobster, right? And then you don't do that, right? So, so the last time this happened, yeah, it got all or I had to order first, which was lame. Yeah, that's not cool. And then Rachel ordered, and then other couple ordered, and then he got a steak, and I ended up, I forget what I was getting. It was at the brewery, so it was like fish and chips or burger or something like that. Well, that's, you can't go wrong there. Those right, are both right. good. But the steak sounded better. Yeah. And once it got all the way around him and he ordered the steak, I was like, yeah, I'm changing it. I want the steak, too. Yeah. Totally did. <laughs> Start, and, and started, started low. And then, and you were good with it. Yeah. But did you start low because you felt that like cultural obligation that I got to, I got to lowball this thing here? I didn't know this dude very well at all. Uh huh. And so I didn't know if he was like going to end up getting a salad. And then, okay. But if, but if it wasn't, it was like, you know, somebody we know real well. Oh, no. You would be okay with getting the expensive thing. If I knew that I didn't want to get something, I would not want to get something significantly more expensive than what they are getting. Okay. To see, me, it has nothing to do with getting the most or what the price on the menu is. It has everything to do with how far apart from my meal and their meal. Okay. See, I, okay. That's interesting. Cause I don't care about that at all is in that situation. I'm, I'm not going to get the lowest item on the menu the cheapest item on the menu just cause the cheapest, but I'm going to get like the middle tier thing that I really want. I, I might really love the steak and, or the lobster or whatever, but, well, they don't have lobster at the brewery, but, you know, I, in that case, I might get the really cool wood s- stove pizza, you know, mm-hmm. in, instead, or I might get the really nice burger, you know, but something middle of the road or that, you know what they have there, that schnitzel. Mm. Oh, that stuff is so good. Yeah. It's still on the menu last time. I went, I went there with my brother. Nice. Yeah, just last week. It was a good time. So... Rephrase or say, repeat the question. Hold on. <laughs> if someone offers to buy you a meal, is it okay to order something more expensive than you would normally get? So I think we're both saying yes, but you're willing to go yeah. wherever dude goes or yeah. wherever gal goes. Yep. We're being complimentary here. Nice. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, answer the question. We will see you next time. 
We believe that you belong. <laughs> <laughs>